Bibles with you, if you would open them to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, by the way, if you do not have a Bible with you, you can look at your seat backs and um, the seat right in front of you should have a Bible there that you could uh, use uh, for the meantime. So we are in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, and we're going to be focusing on verses 6 and 7 today, but I want to read, I want to read for the purpose of context, I want to read from verses 3 all the way through 7. And it says here in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while it is necessary you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the word of the Lord. So last week we, we talked about, um, we, we looked at verses 3 through 5, and we saw where, where Peter explained how rich of our salvation that believers enjoy. And uh, within verses 3 through 5, there is, there is a lot of stuff that Peter blesses us with as a reminder uh, for the church. Uh, as I had mentioned last week, that this, the purpose of this letter was to encourage in, to encourage a, a suffering church, to encourage a persecuted uh, church, and uh, a church that was going through trials. And we ourselves go through trials as well, and, and these reminders that, that Peter uh, had in place for this church also apply to us. And some of the reminders in verses 3 through 5, he says that, it, that, that our hope, that it comes from God's great mercy. That it's not something that, that we develop from within us, uh, something that we supply ourselves, but that our hope, our salvation, it comes from God's great mercy. Uh, that's why the Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not anything that we have done, but it is what God has done so that no man may boast. So that's very important that, that, uh, Paul, that, that Peter mentions that. I hope I don't say Paul when I'm supposed to say Peter. I do that all the time whenever I get into the different epistles. Um, So if I do, just please forgive me and I'll try to correct it when I do. Um, So we learn that that it that our salvation comes from God's great mercy. It also consists of a new birth to a new life and a new hope. Right. So before uh, before our salvation, uh, we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our sins. Uh, the only thing that we could do was please our, our flesh, please ourselves. But the Bible talks about a new birth when God saves us. We are reborn in a sense, uh, from a spiritual sense. And this re, uh, rebirth leads to a new life. That new life is not a life of the flesh, but rather it is a life through the Spirit. We are guided by the Spirit of God to please God. And uh, this new life is a, is, is, is a result of the salvation that we have. Um, also, salvation brings about 
the resurrection. You know that uh, the bodies that we have now, they're, they're not going to be the bodies we have forever. And I praise God for that. Amen. They're not going to be the bodies we have forever. But, but Christ, when he comes back, will resurrect. Uh, the Bible says these lowly bodies and, and will give us heavenly bodies. Uh, bodies that, that will not feel like this body. Again, amen to that. But that's, that's something that salvation brings to us. Um, and Peter focuses on in verses five, uh, 3 through 5. Uh, also, he tells us that this salvation that we have is made possible only in Jesus Christ. Only in Christ do we, do we receive uh, this wonderful salvation that God has given us. And that it leads, and this is the fifth thing, it leads to an inheritance. Uh, that inheritance is, is what we talked about and focused on last week. That hope that we have that one day... Uh, we we will be with God and uh, he will be our God. We will be his people. All things will be made new. Nothing will be the same. Uh, we will not have to deal with sin anymore and, and the, the consequences of, of it. Uh, that is a wonderful inheritance that we have in, in, in place for us. So when we look at our salvation, when we look at our hope, um, it, I like to say that it's, it's threefold in a sense and that, yes, God in the past, has, has saved us and he has given us uh, a new birth and we have been given a new birth by God's mercy. But our salvation is also active in the present because Christians are being shielded by God's power. Uh, he is shielding us for the day of, of final redemption and also it's working in the future at the last time when the last time will come and our final deliverance from evil, evil will take place. So in other words, God has not only saved us from our imprisonment to sin, the Bible tells us that he is currently working out his purpose in our lives now. He not only saved us, but he is currently working out his purpose in our lives now. We are being guarded by the Holy Spirit. No matter what it is we go through, we are being guarded by the Spirit now, and God is working out his purpose now, and he will fulfill his great promises um, when he when he comes and, and and glorifies us in the end, um, and what I mean by glorifies us, I mean glorify our our bodies uh, to be with him. So, but if there's there's something important for us to talk about today, and that's the fact that the, in between our salvation and our future glorification, God is testing the Christian's faith through various trials. So that we may be complete. That is the sermon, the sermon summary today. God is testing the Christian's faith through various trials so that we may be complete. When we look at our passages today, verses 6 through 7, they are very deep. They're very encouraging. You see, because we find out in these two verses that when necessary, God test our faith through various trials. I pause and I look at the word necessary. That's a key word to me when I see it in there. It's, it's a very interesting. It says, in this you rejoice. It's talking about the salvation and hope that we have. It's in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. Now, when you see the word if necessary, 
um, what does that mean? What does it mean? Uh, what does necessary mean here? Well, it means when God determines its time. So it, what it says there in verse 6 is that in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So let me replace it with the words I just said. And this you rejoice, though now for a little while, as God sees fit, you have been grieved by various trials. When God says it is time, that's when it's necessary. You see, God brings on various trials in our lives to bring about a genuine faith. And we can, we can relate to this. Because I think our initial reaction to that is, wait a second, how, how fair is that? But we can relate to this because even as creatures, we know that uh, we know when to test the limits of our children so that they can learn. We do this all the time. I mean, going back to uh, uh, a simple thing as walking. If, you're, if your child's not walking by the time he's, you know, a certain age, a year, but somewhere around a year to a year and a half, um, you, you start to get concerned about that. And, and once you start getting concerned about that, you're probably concerned about that way ahead of time. Most of us are these parents that we try to make them walk before they're supposed to walk, right? And, and you'll put them in situations to help them to start walking, even though it means that they're going to fall down. You know that the, 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 the pain they're going to go through from falling down is worth the experience for them to learn how to walk. So not only that, but uh, walking and, and, and talking. That's never been an issue for any of my kids. We never had to teach them how to talk or anything like that. But there are some kids who, who develop slowly, and if you don't see that within a certain amount of time, you start to get uh, nervous about that, and you start to work on that. The big thing that comes up with a lot of children is potty training. If they're not potty trained by some time, right, then we come in and we start to do things to help them to be potty trained. Then as they get older, things like riding a bike. They get to a certain age where it just doesn't look cute for a 10-year-old to be riding a bike with uh, uh, training wheels, right? So they get to a certain age where they're like, okay, they have to learn how to ride a bike. And what does that mean? Well, that means they're going to fall. That means they're going to get hurt. But yet we teach them how to do it because we know it's for their good. Uh, if it's not a bike, it might be a skateboard. If it's not a skateboard, it might be a scooter. Whatever it is, we know as they grow older, they have to be tested physically so that they can continue to learn how to do things. But um, as they get older, there are other life lessons that we spend time teaching our children. We teach them how to use money because when they're young, they have no concept of money and how to use it correctly. And, and we, we teach them how to do that. We also, uh, as they grow older and older, we give them a little bit more responsibility. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And, and throughout this whole thing, we're watching them fail and succeed. Fail and succeed. We're watching them go through different little trials. They're little trials to us, but to them, it's a big deal. But see, I mentioned that because we can relate. We can relate because we do similar things to our children. And, and through some of these things, our children go through hardship in order to learn, but then 
the ultimate goal is that they learn. Our ultimate goal is not to keep our, our children from getting hurt. I mean, we do want to do that. But we know that sometimes pain and, 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 and failing, that's all part of learning. Well, if we as creatures know this, how much more? How much more does our Heavenly Father know when to test our faith? How much more does he know when to, when to test it? How much more does he know when it is necessary that we are tested so that we can learn? It is true that God never tempts us. James 1.13 talks about that, that he never tempts us. And the reason why he never tempts us is because no one can stand, uh, could, could stand against God and his temptation. So God does not tempt us, but he does allow us and sends trials when necessary for the strengthening of our faith. That is that is beautiful. Because that means that the, the, the hardest thing that we go through has a purpose. That was my my message for the Lopez family this whole week. And and ever since we found out that Abraham had passed away. And that's a difficult message to utter, but it is so true and it's so encouraging and it brings peace to the believer. I know it hurts today, but this has a purpose. It has a purpose and God's all over it. That's hard to understand when we're going through it. But it is true and that's what we have to, that's what we have to hold on to. So he does allow and he sends trials. For the strengthening of our faith. And knowing our limits perfectly, he is able to allow and he is able to send these trials uh, for, uh, well, he's able to send them in good measure. He knows exactly what to do. I, I, I find it fascinating when I used to watch my mom cook and, and, and my theos cook, and now my, my wife is already to that point. You ever, you ever watch a, 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 a lady? cooking in, in their kitchen and, and even I shouldn't say just a lady but even men today because I know a lot of men who cook I don't I make barbecue and that's about it but they they don't they don't go by a recipe they don't go by a recipe it's it's basically they already know how much to put in whatever spices it is it's a pinch of this it's a hand, un mano to this, right? And, and just this, and, and, and they just, they're just putting it together, and they're mixing it up. Uh, they, they, they make it, it comes out, tastes great, tastes perfect every single time. When God is, is when, he's, when he's sending out our, the trials, when he's allowing those trials, he does it in good measure. He knows exactly how much to do it. He knows exactly how much to send our way. You see, and the reason why he, he knows how much to send our way is because he fearfully and he wonderfully made us. He made us and he knows that thing in which you lack and in love. And I want to stress that in love, he has sent or he is allowing your trial, and it's for your good, and it's for his glory. It's a beautiful thing. 
That's what Peter is getting at here. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, they say this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That was, again, James Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. That is God's purpose in our trials. And when he seems, when he deems it fit, when necessary, if necessary, he sends our trials our, our way. And thank God they have a purpose. Thank God they're working something out in us, that they're just... He's not just being cruel to us, but rather it is to grow us and to help us to trust in him more. So we learn through these two uh, passages that, that yes, in, in verses 3 through 5, we learn that faith is important. But in verses 6 and 7, we not only uh, learn that faith is precious, but the trial of faith is just as valuable. Because first comes faith. And then after we have faith, that faith is always being tested. And God has a reason and a purpose for that. You see, suffering through trials, we all know it, it's not fun. It's not. We have to be honest. It's not fun. I, I, I'm still waiting for that point in my life where I'm just like, God, please send me another trial because that one wasn't big enough. No one says that prayer, right? No one is wishing for God to send them another trial. If, 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 if you are, I, I, need, I need you to come in for counseling. I need to, to sit down with you. So we know that suffering is, is not fun. But we also know it is necessary. It is necessary for godliness. Not fun, but necessary. And there's a great analogy here in these two verses. As men use fire to refine precious metals, God uses trials to distinguish genuine faith from that which is superficial. And it's a rough process there's a beautiful, beautiful outcome. You see, the process of refining metal, it's, it's not a tender process. It's very, very, very rough. In fact, it is very invasive. It is harsh. We see that the metal is heated to a temperature that is so extreme that, that the metal itself changes its form. It no longer remains a metal, but it changes from a solid to a liquid. That's how, that's how hot the fire is. And we see that the fire reaches a temperature where it is vigorously and violently, it boils the liquid. And as it's boiling the liquid, it tests its very limits. Then there is a point when the fire gets so hot 
It gets so hot that it physically separates the impurities from the metal. So you have this separation taking place from this fire that is so hot and it, 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 it separates and then it destroys the impurities within the metal. And there's, after a period of time, the fire is turned down and eventually it is turned off and that allows the metal to return to its original state. But... Only this time, the meadow is pure than it was before. I told you it's a harsh picture, but it's a beautiful ending. A harsh process, but it's a beautiful ending. You see, I, I, that analogy is so important, and the reason why I go into it so specifically It's pointed out in in verses 6 and 7, but this is the picture that Peter is painting for the Christian. This is what my brother and sisters in here that you have to get today. It's a symbolic picture of how God refines our faith through trials. Just as the process of refining metal uh, is harsh, we also see that the process of our sanctification is is harsh at times. Because God uses the good, the bad, the ugly in life to sanctify us, to grow us, to to make us holy. And sometimes that is harsh. And the flame of our trial gets so hot, it gets so hot that it visibly has an effect on us. So much so that it changes us temporarily. I have seen people who have been utterly crushed by their trial. I have seen people almost destroyed. Down and out, it changes their personality. It changes their outlook. I've seen people who have gone through things, they don't look the same anymore after they go through them. And these people I I talk about, I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about those who believe. And and I, I I can stand here and tell you, not only have I seen it, but I've experienced it myself. And I think we can all pick up our hand and we can say, yes, I've gone through things that have changed me. I have gone through things that have wiped me out. I have gone through things that I feel like I'll never be the same. So this flame from our trial, it gets so hot, it visibly has an effect on us. And listen, we reach a point in which we think we will be destroyed. We reach a point in which we think God is completely against us and and all he has planned for us is destruction and we're headed that way. And there's nothing that we can do to change it. In fact, we're just one more day away from it. We feel his hand so hard against us. That we cannot push back. We cannot get up. We cannot do anything. We feel like it's just it's the worst time of our lives. 
So we reach this point that we are feel that we're going to be destroyed by the flame of our trials, but yet we find out that the next day we get up. The next moment we continue. Somehow, some way, we are being sustained. Day after day, things get better. And if they don't, we're still okay, we're still here. And we wonder, how are we doing this? We wonder, how, how am, I, am, I, am I still going? How am I still waking up? How, am I, how do I still have faith in the God that I feel is crushing me? See, the answer to that question is that even though the flame of our trials is so hot that it's separating the impurities from what is pure, God is sustaining us. And as he is sustaining us in our trial, we get to the point where we can only trust and obey. We get to the point where we feel like, like I, I'm done I cannot do anything else. I've tried everything else I can possibly think of. Me, myself. I've done all the self-help things. I've done all the work that I can do. Now all there is left is for me to trust the Lord, walk in his word, and wait. We get to that point. That's the only thing we can do. And here it is. This is the point at which we are completely humbled by the Lord's hand. And where we are humbled, just like when you look at the metal as it is refined, the impurities start to disintegrate. The pride that we had in ourselves and how we could take care of ourselves. The flame of our trials has 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 destroyed that. It's destroyed it because we have been humbled by the Lord. We have been humbled by the Lord. We have seen his mighty hand. His mighty hand has has been against us for this trial so that we can see that salvation, life, everything we have, that it does not come from within, but rather it comes from him. These impurities just begin to disintegrate. They begin to be destroyed. And all the while, God sustains us in our trial. It is here, it is here that we begin to see the purpose for which we are being tested. And slowly but surely, the flames of our trials, they begin to lessen And then we are eventually and gently restored. We are eventually and gently restored. We are not who we should be. But after that process, we are not who we used to be. And we thank God for that after it's over. When I look at verses 6 through 7, Those are very encouraging verses. Verses 3 through 7 are very encouraging, but specifically we're talking about 6 and 7 today. Very encouraging. 
Because in 3 through 5, God, it shows us how God gives us salvation. He gives us the hope. And then 6 comes in and it beautifully says, in this you rejoice. In that hope that God gives you, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is a passage in Isaiah that very fitting for today. Isaiah chapter 48 and verses 10 through 11. I just want to read that for you very quickly. It says, Behold, I have, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. That is God's word to his people. The, the process of refining occurs again and again for us. Please don't think that once you are done with one trial that you have, you have, you have passed the test. That you have reached a certain level where God is not going to do that to you again. Or he's not going to allow you to be tried again. That is not the case. The process of our sanctification occurs again and again and again and again. It occurs in each of the trials we have. But what Peter is saying here, he says, take heart. Take heart. It is only for a little while. I know to us it seems like it's forever because, hey, it's been two years. It's been five years. It's been ten years. But when you look at that in the face of eternity, it's nothing. And when you look at that in the face of what God has promised us, our, our inheritance, it's nothing. God's encouraging us and he's telling his church, it's only for a little while. And, it's, and it's, it is resulting in praise and glory and honor to God. See, I, I don't know what everybody's going through. But I know everybody's going through something. And I know that as we continue on as believers, we're going to continue to go through more for the sake of Christ. But we must always be of good courage. We must always trust in the Lord and know that whatever it is we go through, it's bringing about God's goodness in us. And we need to focus on, on, on staying on task. We need to keep our faith in the Lord. We need to continue in our work. We need to be faithful in prayer. Because as we do this, it results in praise and glory and honor to God. There is a psalm that says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. 
That's Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. I wanted to end with that because I think that is a wonderful prayer, actually. It is both a frightening prayer and it's a wonderful prayer. It is a prayer that is asking the Lord to search us. To search our hearts, to try us. To try our thoughts. And whatever impurities there is, to bring them out. Again, suffering through our trials is not fun. As the prayer indicates, though, it is necessary. Let us be of good courage and faith and trust in the Lord in our trials and know that they are working things out for our good and his glory. Let's pray.